Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In five, four, three, two, one. It's time for the Rundown with Bob Sanders. We're waiting. Welcome into the rundown on Fox Sports Radio 1400 around the world on the iHeartRadio app. My name is Rob Sanders. Thanks for checking out the show this afternoon. And you know what? We're going to head right out to the phones. Welcome in uh, from the Post and Courier. Well, formerly the Post and Courier, even though he still works with the Post and Courier. Uh, <laughs> my friend, Mike Mooneyham. Mike, thanks for joining us on the show today, man. How are you, sir? I'm I'm well. As always, good to be on the show, Rob. Uh, we have to ask the big question first. If you follow Mike on uh, on Twitter at by Mike Mooneyham, or actually Facebook is where we get a lot of this stuff. Uh, it's generally Mike eating out in different places. You, you <laughs> kind of cut down on that, man. Is is your lovely wife having to cook more, or, or what's going on on the food front for Mike? <laughs> well, it's been a tough couple of months here. <laughs> uh, yeah, we've we've been eating more at home, needless to say. But um, I've also, uh, you know, I've I've gotten outside the house a few times, fortunately. Yeah, I hear, I hear you on that. Well, I wanted to talk a little bit of wrestling stuff with you today. Um, the first big thing that uh, I kind of wanted to get into is, and I think you're feeling the same thing I'm feeling. It's really hard to watch the content that uh, is coming out today. Uh, simply because of the um, not having the crowd there. I mean, is I'm at the point now where it just really is tough to watch. It, it is, Rob, and it's been tough for me pretty much from the onset. But as uh, as time's gone by, it's it's even become harder. You know, I, I've always said that the the uh, the performers feed off of the fans, and the fans feed off of the performers. Um, and, you know, it's just not happening, and it's so evident. And it, it, it's something really vital to a, to a wrestling match. A wrestling performance is missing. And it, it's just it's tough watching this. And I think the ratings are, are pretty evident that, uh, you know, that's the case. Um, I'm just hoping that, you know, things will change and we'll get back to having crowds. But I, honestly, I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. And I think there's a section of society that wants things to get back to a, a quote-unquote normal. But I also think there's a section of folks that are like, you know, it's going to be really tough for me to go into an arena with, let's say, the uh, Colonial Life Arena here in Columbia, which we were supposed to have Raw here in uh, April. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I think some people think it's hard for me to go into an arena right now with that many people in that enclosed of an area. You know, I mean, I, I could see the argument for both yeah. sides. Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. I mean, I don't see any concerts coming back. Um, uh, you know, there is a show in Charleston, a local show that's going to be held. I think it's July 12th, Old School Championship Wrestling. Right. Um, they're holding their first show in a while. But, of course, uh, you know, it's going to be a limited a limited audience. And uh, um, they're going to they're gonna take uh, care to really keep everyone away from each other. So it's going to be sort of unusual, 
Uh, but what you're talking about is like a law with you know, thousands of people in the building. I, I honestly don't see that happening anytime soon. Do you think that the WWE may get to a point where they're like, you know what, uh, I remember the wrestling where they, they did like stuff at like Shea Stadium and stuff like that where there were an outdoor crowd. I, I think that we may get to a point where that's how they do some live events where they may schedule yeah. them at a baseball stadium or what have you just because uh, of the coronavirus pandemic. Yeah, they very well could do that. I know, you know, when uh, football starts up, hopefully in September, um, that's what they're looking at, you know, and uh, keeping the fans apart and limited crowds are also. And that might be the only way wrestling can can do it. Um, I just can't see, like you, I just can't see a confined crowd being in an arena and uh, hooping and hollering and all of that. And plus – you know, I, I'm just waiting for, and in fact, I think an NXT performer uh, tested for COVID-19 this past week, and uh, they had the tapings for today have been uh, rescheduled. So things like that are going to happen, and, and it could be last minute. So I, it's, it's tough. I mean, it's sort of really uncharted territory, and I guess we'll see in the next few months. Uh, if you had the promoter hat on, uh, especially in the WWE front, what would you change right now? I mean, it it it, there, it seems like they're fighting a battle they just can't win without the crowds. Yeah, well, they're going to continue to do what what they do, and that's uh, probably tape everything at uh, at the performance center. And they are adding a few fans, and uh, they are adding some crowd noise now, which seems a little a little cheap you know it's not the real deal but um you know i think they're in the same boat as everyone else it, it's it's going to be a tough road to hoe and i i don't know how if they're going to watch ratings continue to fall um you know it's just i guess they'll have to do the best they can do i have to ask you about some some old school stuff here because um uh mr wrestling two passed away here recently and yeah. Uh, it, you know, I know he was from uh, the Charleston area, correct? Well, actually, he was born in in Charleston. He, I think he, he he didn't he doesn't remember how long he was here, right? But it was probably it was probably less than a year. He was born at the old um, St. Francis Hospital, which no longer exists, and that's where he got his middle name from, Francis John Francis Walker. Born at St. Francis Hospital here in Charleston. I, I, I got into a wormhole, on, and what I mean by that is is that uh, I started researching stuff about him because yeah. uh, I listened to uh, some of Jim Cornette's podcasts, and he was talking about how Mr. Wrestling 2 lived the gimmick uh, so much where he took his shower in with his mask on, and he, he left did. the arena with his mask on, and he would drive five to ten miles away and he's and a uh, cornet said in his podcast that uh uh the midnight express they were like they were driving down the road and uh yeah, uh, yeah condry said something like hey there, there's uh there's <laughs> wrestling too and and jim goes i didn't even know i had no idea that was him i mean that uh-huh. is over the top living the gimmick yeah he was a staunch defender of the business in fact i'm probably going to do a column on him this week um he was you know, back then, a mask really symbolized something. And that was, if that was your gimmick, that was everything. And he went to great lengths to protect that gimmick. Um, I know he told me once his his neighbor never knew what he did. He, he thought he was a traveling salesman, his neighbor <laughs> did. 
Wow. And, uh, you know, I've been, I've been on road trips before, uh, maybe coming from Florida back to the Carolinas, going through little towns in Georgia. And every once in a while, I'd see a guy at a filling station with a mask on pumping gas. You know, automatically knew that was Johnny Walker, number two. But uh, he, he did. He took showers with his mask on. He never removed the mask in an arena. And once he got close to a town, he he would he would put that mask on to make sure nobody, you know, had knew who he was. And, um, you know, when the um, – Back in 1977, at former President Jimmy Carter's inauguration, uh, he was personally invited to attend. But uh, he said, if I do, I'll have to wear my mask. He wasn't going to take it off for anyone. And, of course, Secret Service said, no, nah, you can't do that. So um, he wasn't able to attend. But he was uh, President Carter's favorite wrestler and also his mom, Miss Lillian. That was her favorite wrestler. And he did meet with her several times with the mask, of course. Is is that one of the the best examples of living the gimmick? Uh, and uh, do you have a, a, another example where someone went that far? No, I think he probably you know him and uh, Neil Moskowitz from Mexico. You would never see him without a mask. The Destroyer, Dick Byer, he pretty much wore his mask all the time too. Uh, but I remember I was in a convenience store once, and this was after probably an hour or so after the local matches. And uh, I, I couldn't believe it because here's here's a convenience store, and three guys walk in. One is, uh, I don't know if you remember the, the mass team, the Infernos with J.C. Dykes. Yeah, I, I remember vaguely. Yeah, yeah they, were, they were a big-time team in the 60s and 70s, and great mass team, Eels. Here comes J.C. Dykes with his flaming red hair and this, uh, tuck, you know, his tuxedo, and these two big mass guys with uh, with coat and tie and the hoods on into a store. And I'm wondering, you know, I hope the manager knew the, who these guys were because they could have been coming in to stick up that that convenience store. <laughs> but it was just. It, guys protected their their mask, their gimmick. And uh, it's nothing like today. You know, I, I wouldn't even use mask wrestlers today in, in reference to mask wrestlers uh, back in the day. It was a whole different ball game. Those mask guys, that was their gimmick. That was their bread and butter. And they protected uh, their identity at all costs. Well, I'm looking forward to uh, reading uh, the article that you put up on, on, uh, on this gentleman because, you know, I, I, I kind of was – at the end of his career when uh, when I was starting to watch a lot of wrestling. And, yeah. and I'd like to learn a lot more about him because, uh, I mean, just, just some of the stuff I've heard. And uh, one oh. of the – yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I said two was uh, – he was one of the first major stars of uh, the Superstation, Ted Turner's Superstation back right. in the 70s. He was one of the biggest stars. He got some of the biggest pops of any guy I've ever seen. You know, everyone would chant, two, two. Too. It was sort of like a Hulk Hogan in the 80s. It really was. Wow. Um, fans would pack the Omni to watch this guy, and he just had a remarkable career. You know, the first 20 years of his career, he was sort of a vanilla-type journeyman grappler. Um, hit a few main events here and there, but uh, he put a mask on uh, in the early 70s, and you would have thought, you know, I mean, he was he was on fire. 
But you know, there's another another side to him, and uh, what I mean by that is that his wife was big, uh, from what I've read, and uh, and, and Cornette yeah. was talking about this too, where. She made like uh, the robes, like Ric Flair's robes. I mean, that's a part of the industry you really don't hear a lot about. Oh, she made she made many of the guys' robes. Uh, Flair mostly, but you know, Greg Valentine. Um, uh, a lot of the top stars back then went to Olivia Walker. For she was a very nice lady. She came from Dublin, Ireland. Um, really nice personality. Very talented. And she also uh, made robes for Elvis Presley, Dolly Parton, Liberace. You know, she was internationally known. And uh, she passed away in 2000. And, um, you know, they were they were just so close. Uh, I don't think Johnny ever he ever he never got over it. We talked about her a lot and um, just a wonderful lady. And put out some of the most beautiful wrestling attire that you'll you could ever want to see. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, the stuff that that like Flair's robes that he came out in. I mean, oh, those yeah. were handmade pieces that were just beautiful, oh, beautiful stuff. Oh, they were. They were. They were. They're absolutely, absolutely beautiful. Yes. And that's something that that uh, was was part of Flair's gimmick. I mean, she, you know, she had a huge yeah. hand in that with uh, with him coming out because that's one of the first things I think about with Ric Flair was, um, yeah. in his heyday, he would come out with just this beautiful yeah. robe and it was just flowing and, yeah. and over the top. And but yeah. you, but it's one of those things where it just it just made you believe what what Ric Flair was trying to sell you. It was all part of the package. Yeah, it was perfect. And, and uh, there were some robes back then in the day, but none looked like nature's, you know? Absolutely, yeah. Well, I have to ask you a couple more questions here about uh, some of the current content, and it's it's not uh, not to get too far out there, but uh, uh, Becky Lynch coming, uh, uh, Becky Lynch uh, getting pregnant and then taking some time off. Uh, you know, if you're the promoter, man, that that almost has to be a tough pill to swallow where, I mean, she was, I mean, yeah. let's be honest, she was probably one of the most recognized wrestlers in the world, male or female, and yeah. then taking that time off, I mean, wow, that's kind of a shot in the gut to WWE. Yeah, it really did, and I think it took him by surprise, too. I don't know if you heard Cornette's take on it, but he wasn't too... Uh... I didn't. I didn't catch Corny's take on it. I, I'm pretty sure yeah. I could figure out where he was gonna go, but yeah, yeah, you can from, figure out, you yeah. know, where he was going. He did not like that at all. He said it should never happen. Very bad timing on her part, right? And uh, actually, draw some, he, he drew a little uh, a little response from Seth Rollins, and um, Seth didn't take it too well, as you would figure. But you know, Cornette's Cornette, so Cornette doesn't say care. What he's say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it was bad timing. Let's face it, um, and I, I'm not sure that he, he, you know Vince or anyone else was ready for that announcement. But um, it's happened, and they've lost one of their one of their top draws. Like you said, Becky was uh, maybe like the number one or two um, personality in WWE right now. Yeah. So it, it, it did come at a bad time, but then again, you know, there's no crowds and. Uh, everything's sort of at a, at a lull right now. Um, so no Becky Lynch. Yeah. I mean, they're That's looking, tough. they're looking for other people to sort of fill in and take her place. But it's when, when somebody catches fire like Becky did, uh, that's not somebody that can, can 
be off the lineup and you can bring somebody in. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's a taker place. It just doesn't happen that way. Yeah, it's just a, a tough, tough road for uh, WWE with uh, with Becky Lynch going up on the shelf for a little bit. Uh, my final no. question for uh, for Mike Mooneyham this afternoon, who I appreciate uh, giving us some time today. I, I've had some issues with some of the uh, the cinematic matches that they've put together, and, and I I I don't want to come across like I'm the old man on the lawn that's throwing my rake. But it was really tough for me to watch, like, um, what was it, the Boneyard match and then the uh, the Corporate Tower match and then uh, the match on the football field, which, from what I read, it took them 10 hours to produce that. I just, wow, when I see this stuff, I'm like, I understand that we have a lot going on with, with the pandemic, but that's not what I want. Hey, it's not what it says on the marquee, and maybe they'll say sports entertainment. But, you know, I'm still looking for a little wrestling. And, yeah, there's a little wrestling involved, but, no, it's uh, I don't like it at all. And I, I, we probably talked about this before. If I want to see a movie, I'll see a movie. If I want to go to a wrestling show, I'll go to a wrestling show. And these so-called cinematic presentations, that's not wrestling. That's not, much even, that's not even much sports entertainment for me. Don't like them. Um, and even as good as that match with Edge and Randy Orton was Sunday night, it, it, uh, it, it was still, you know, you know that it, they, they did that match several times. Okay. It was pre-taped a week ago. Um, they did several takes on the match. They edited some stuff. They added some stuff down the line. And like I said, as good as the match it was, and it was like over 40 minutes, you know that, you know, it's that is like a present, a, almost a cinematic pres, presentation in itself. When you when you do the match a couple of times, edit things in, put things in, take things out. I just don't. I just can't. That's not it for me. It really is not. And I don't know if they're going to maybe. Uh, this is going to be a regular thing now once this pandemic deal ends and we go back to an arena with fans. Uh, I just I don't I don't like it at all, and I'll tell anyone that it's it's not it's not wrestling to me. Well, but then I see that right. I see this stuff, and then the WWE does put out the uh, the Undertaker documentary, and it goes back through a lot of his career. And yeah. to me, if if I'm looking at at this stuff, and I'm the Undertaker, and I've done all this great stuff, it would have been hard yeah. for me to do that Boneyard match if if I were him. Not that I'm questioning the greatness of the Undertaker, but. Just wow on on so yeah. many levels with that. Yeah, why do it? And you know, I catch a little bit of grief from you know maybe more current fans, newer fans that really don't know too much else outside what they've seen for the last five years. But um, for me, it's a stretch. And once you take the uh, you know you have to have you, there has to be some suspension of disbelief, right? And to me, this just kills it. I mean, if I want to go see a movie, I'll, like I said, if I want to see a movie, I'll see a movie. But 
No, no, no. I don't. I don't like it. I'll never like it. And uh, I hope they. I hope it doesn't continue like this. You know, once everything gets back to normal, I, I, I don't want to see it. No. Uh-uh. I'm not. I'm not buying any of it. And I know that sounds. I tell you what. If, if I'm going to be the old man in the yard with the rake, I'll make sure that I get you a rake, and you can live next door, and we'll throw rakes together. Yeah. Well, you know, I thought maybe I was uh, a little bit too much of a boomer here, but I'm glad to see there are others in my I, uh, in my court. I, I guess I'm slowly becoming an old man because I'm trying to watch this, and I'm like, oh, just stop, just stop. But you know. I, I guess we we're kind of in a in a realm right now where you just have what the WWE and and AEW give you on national television right now, and it's it's just hard. And um, you got to yeah. go and and like to the show you were talking about. I know uh, those guys down in Charleston do a great show. Uh, I know do. that uh, yeah. Palmetto Championship Wrestling here in Columbia does some good stuff. When I go to that, yeah. I actually see a wrestling match, and it's great. Oh. It's so refreshing, isn't it? It it certainly is. I mean, I I, I see uh, uh like my buddy uh, my buddy Shane does the stuff with Palmetto Championship Wrestling, and he's got Ethan Case up here, and he actually has matches, and, and yes. it's it's like I'm sitting here, I'm like, whoa, we don't see this on TV anymore. I mean, it's it's just refreshing, in my opinion. It's like give me some of that old time rock and roll, but give me some of that old time wrestling. Yeah, I know. Maybe I'm just becoming the old man. You still have your no, book you, out there, though. I mean, and that that's good stuff. I do. I do. Final Bell is still selling. It's, uh, you know, it's a nice piece of work, if I must so, say so myself. And it does. <laughs> keeps that old torch burning. Are, are, do you have plans to write another book? Do you have one that you're thinking about? Uh, I don't know. You know, I'm kind of like, uh, I'm enjoying retirement a little bit too much yeah. now. And, um, you know, I... Like I said, I wasn't. It, the plan wasn't necessarily to continue with my column when I retired four years ago. But you know, they sort of you, once you got out, they pull you back in. You know, and uh, <laughs> here we are. So right now, I'm just I'm I'm content doing my column and doing a few other little things like podcast every once in a while. But uh, um, well, I didn't, I didn't know you had a podcast. Where can we find that? Uh, n- no, not my podcast, but other people's podcasts. <laughs> okay, well, you should do your own podcast. I would listen, but you well, can you know, also I used to have a radio. Sh- I used to have a radio show here in Charles. A radio show here in Charleston. I will uh, listen to that. Well, <laughs> oh, I guess it's back in the nineties now. You know, during the height of the Monday Night Wars on ESPN yeah. Radio. But um, yeah, you used to have some really neat guests. You know, Flair would be on there a good bit. Um, Chris Jericho. You know, everyone who was around then. So it was. It was. It was a nice little deal. Well, I tell you what, folks can find your book at Amazon. It's called Final Bell, and I'm looking forward to your column on uh, Mr. Wrestling 2 uh, whenever that, that hits the uh, Post and Courier. Uh, folks can follow you on Twitter where? Uh, by Mike Mooneyham. By Mike Mooneyham on Twitter. Mike, once again, man, thanks so much for joining us here on The Rundown. Always a pleasure being on the show, Rob. Back with more of The Rundown and some baseball talk in just a moment. Welcome back to The Rundown. I am Rob Sanders, part of the uh, the trio of local programming here on Fox Sports Radio 1400. Of course, you've heard Teddy Hefner in the mornings. He's here from 9 to noon. Uh, after I am done at 4 o'clock, you get Lawton Swan with Clemson Sports Talk. And by the way, he is the czar of Clemson Sports. I do want to talk some baseball, though. 
Let's head out to the phones and welcome in our second mic of the day. Well, welcome into the show from the pesky one of the biggest baseball nerds that I know, Mike Dabreski. Mike, what's up, brother? What's going on, buddy? All right, man. So I got to ask you today, we've had the uh, the stuff from Rob Manfred last night on ESPN special about reopening sports where he's not 100% sure that we're uh, going to have baseball back. And I wanted to bring you on today to talk a little bit about that. Uh, the big thing, just from my perspective, I thought you could give me both perspectives on both sides for the players and the owners. But from my perspective, it looks just like a bunch of people complaining against each other that are making a lot of money. But can you give me the perspective from both sides and just start with the players first? Well, I think the players that have the best perspective, you know, they, they have a guaranteed contract. And in March, um, when things went, you know, crazy in our world, um, they came forward and said, you know, we're going to give up our guaranteed contract and you can pay us based on games played. So if we play 80 games, cut our salaries in half. We play 50 games, cut our salary in a third and so forth. And that was agreed upon. Once things kind of got close to resuming baseball again, the owners realized that they would be losing money too much. And they said, listen, we need to cut your pay further. And the players said, you know, we're not going to cut our pay further. We're we're already taking a hit when our guaranteed contract is. And we know there's no fans. You knew that there's probably no fans this season. And now you want to go ahead and give us, you know, 30% of our pay and so forth. And so the back and forth kind of started from there. Now, um, from the owner's side, they're going to lose money each time a game is played with no fans. And so that's why they're trying to get the season as short as possible. And um, from, you know, Buster Olney's kind of brought this a few times. There are six to ten owners in baseball who don't want to play the season. That's from since March. When they realized there no fans, they said, we want to play the season. And Rob Manfred works for the owners. So basically what the players have uh, kind of have, have felt was going on is they were dragging out these negotiations to the point where they could only play 50 games and then go ahead and mandate that, pay them their, their prorated salaries for 50 games, and go on. And uh, that's kind of what they've always have felt was going to happen and the owners are trying to negotiate in bad faith, having the clock tick down to that point. All right. So, for, but from that perspective, I mean, it looks like the owners are, are the bad guy here. But I, I do have to ask you, though, if they did push them into this 48 game schedule, you know, the contract uh, comes up next year, right? Where they have to go to the negotiating table with them again. I mean, this, they have to know this is going to be brought back up in the future, right? Well, that's probably the issue that's going on right now is the fact that after next season, the CBA expires. And so they're negotiating this, this kind of deal knowing that's coming forward. The players don't want to give in too much because they don't want to set a precedent for the next CBA. And so in baseball, I mean, I'm not sure if you've got noses, but baseball and the, the owners and the players in baseball have had a horrible relationship going back 50, 60 years now. They don't trust each other and so forth. It's very different than football or the NBA, where it's kind of more of a partnership. It seems like in baseball, the owners and players are kind of the adversaries. Instead of going, let's work together, let's grow the game together, it's all about who can win. And the players felt they lost last time. The last CBA, they felt they got beat badly by the owners. 
And so they're kind of, their dander is up like, we're not going to lose this time. And that's the only sport that does it that way. Every other sport kind of works. We're partners. We're in this. We're going to grow the game together. It's the way it should be. And baseball, it's all about us. They're keeping score. We, we, won last, we lost last time. We're going to win this time in the CBA. And so I think if they had a CBA agreement done like last year and the next CBA was up in 2028, say, I don't think you have any problems right now. I think to be playing baseball, everything's fine. I think that looming CBA next year is what's causing all this. Do you think if we don't have a season that this could be uh, kind of bring baseball down a notch? What I mean by that is is that I think less kids are playing baseball. It's, it's, it's kind of a sliding scale down now where more kids are playing soccer and lacrosse and, and other sports like that. But could this be kind of like a, a gut punch blow to baseball in our country? Uh, everyone says that, but they, they said the same thing back in 94. Well, I'm not watching baseball again. This is over. And they, they come back. But, but, I mean, but in fairness, you know, though, it, it, in fairness, yeah. though, we, I mean, soccer and, and lacrosse and sports like that are going up. And then you have fringe sports. Like, I've got friends that have their kids playing paintball right now. I mean, they want them to do things like that. I mean, you have a different um, base of sports that you can go to. Does that make sense? Oh, oh, oh yeah, there's more. And I think, you know, more, more and more people are not playing football, too, because of the head injury stuff and everything, too. And baseball's actually been growing in terms of youth sports being played. Baseball's problem right now is the average age of their fan is 57 years old. And, you know, a lot of kids, you know, I've got an eight-year-old son who plays Little League Baseball. His friends don't watch baseball. They play it. They don't watch it. Okay, my son's abnormal that he watches baseball with me because that's always on the house. So he knows players on every team. But most kids don't know that. Like, I knew that when I was eight years old. And so... That's one thing they're not getting. I think people are playing the sport, but they're just not watching it. And baseball does a horrible job of marketing their sport. I mean, this is, it's a really horrible job. I mean, it's already behind football, um, and it's going to be behind basketball. So you can say it's already behind basketball. And so, you know, will it come back? I mean, part of me wants some real changes to go place, go ahead, and maybe if they blow it all up, you know, maybe see if they don't play this year and they strike next year, and they come back, and maybe it's better that way. You know, and they, they kind of take three steps back to, to maybe they take four steps forward down the road four or five years from now. But right now it's a horrible look, um, and, and, they're, and they're losing kind of the periphery fans. We're not going to lose me. I'm, I'm a diehard baseball fan. I'm mad. I'm upset. But when baseball comes back on, I'll be, I'll be on TV at my house. You know, they, they have me. You know, so, but for the for the casual fan, they're losing them for sure. Mike Dabreski joining us from the PeskyPoll.net. Go and check out his stuff. It does have a Red Sox slant. I mean, we have to be completely honest here, but of it is course. some good uh, baseball information that uh, you can uh, enjoy while we are in the midst of a pandemic. All right, brother, they can find you on Twitter. Where? At the Pesky Poll. At the Pesky Poll. Mike, thanks for joining us on the show. Thank you, buddy. Great stuff there from Mike Dabreski, of course. You can uh, follow him on Twitter at the Pesky Poll, as we just said. We will have more of the rundown in just a moment. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio 1400. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.